This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. This is American Enough with your host, Vikram Iyer. Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer, and you've reached American Enough, a podcast in which we unpack the cultural dynamics, rhetoric, and policies of this current administration to truly try and un- unpack what American identity means. Today, we have a core conversation going on on something that's been unique to the American conversation since the dawn of this country. And that's basically the vitality and the ability to live a dignified life with proper health. In this country, healthcare has been um, a, a source of, of rigorous debate, both on the campaign trail, as well as ever since uh, Donald Trump was inaugurated into office. Uh, but today we unpack a little bit more about what an ideal healthcare system could look like, whether you're an aging uh, senior citizen, uh, or you're a 16 year old that may have broken their arm during soccer practice, we all have a basic understanding that being able to live with the sense of dignity to have the care that you need when you need it, and to not uh, suffer through ailments without the ability to access medical care, um, as well as to not have to make really tough decisions between buying your medicine or putting food on the table is, is really, really true to the American identity of what it means to be a healthy society. But for far too long, we've had uh, really, really lightning rod and politicized debates about what that system should look like. Countless industrialized economies around the world have systems that far outpace ours or often look to as better systems. And yet the United States, as its core identity when it talks about moral leadership abroad, seems to fall behind many of those other models or at least fall behind a sense of agreement about a model we should all be working towards could look like. Today, we've got an incredibly exciting guest, my dear friend and a healthcare whiz and expert, Emma Sando. Emma, welcome to American Enough. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you being here. Um, I'm going to embarrass Emma a little bit because she's a complete rock star, even though she would never really, really push this forward on her own with her own bio. But um, Emma is currently doing graduate work um, and at Harvard, um, which you, I'm sure, refer to as a school in Boston. Um, and, uh, just outside of Boston. Just outside of Boston, you're right. Um, we are not great at geography here in America. Right now. Um, and is specifically um, studying health policy and the and, and political analysis of health policy in our system here. Um, but quite amazingly, um, Emma's had a life dedicated to investing in our healthcare system prior to her work at Harvard. She actually worked at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, serving as the Medicaid spokesperson, um, really detailing elements of what our current Medicaid and Medicare policies looked like, how they were shaping, and worked intently on on healthcare.gov, communicating the you know the topsy turvy rollout of that program as really um, the important tenets of that program, um, and being in that comms role or spokesperson role, um, she was working at the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, um, and also worked at the Department of Health and Human Services Budget Office. So when it comes to the um, optics of our healthcare system, the funding uh, difficulties of our healthcare system, as well as just how this touches day-to-day Americans, um, Emma Sando has really, really dedicated her life to the well-being of others. So again, thank you for being here, Emma. 
Well, well, now I'm thoroughly embarrassed, but thank you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I really want to start on some uh, unique events that rolled out this week it, for, for you know, most that have been following what's been going on on Capitol Hill when it comes to healthcare. We're all pretty sure that a healthcare fight s- sure seemed dead um, after Republican proposals to overall the Affordable Care Act, also, you know, delightfully known as Obamacare, failed to pass uh, a GOP controlled Congress. Most lawmakers, you know, they, they look to move on to other things. I think many of us were expecting them to continue to take a look at tax, maybe infrastructure packages. Um, but of course, as we mentioned earlier, health and the way we approach health is really core to our American identity. So this week we saw pr- new proposals, uh, both from the progressive left wing of the Democratic Party, um, as well as the conservative wing of the Republican Party. And they were really grabbing some headlines. Um, And on uh, Wednesday, one of the um, core champions of a bill on the left side, former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders, wrote an op-ed in The New York Times in which he said that we remain the only major country on earth that allows chief executives and stockholders in the healthcare industry to get incredibly rich while tens of millions of people suffer because they can't get the health care that they need. This is not what the United States should be about, Bernie wrote. So, Emma, I guess at a very high level and, you know, in terms of any of our listeners following what it means to have an American um, health care system or a sufficiently American health care system, what should the U.S. healthcare care system be about? Well, so... Interestingly enough, the U.S. healthcare debate has been going on for, um, in a modern format, for a hundred years since the time of Teddy Roosevelt, um, and he was the first to propose a universal healthcare system that was actually pretty similar to what um, Bernie Sanders is proposing. It cover a lot of different things for a, a wide variety of different people, um, and then proposals have been cropping up. Um, through FDR um, and um, up until the passage of um, Medicare and a little bit beyond that into the Nixon era to provide universal coverage to people in a variety of different forms. And it's been sort of an ongoing debate of the modern Democratic Party to propose a a universal single-payer sort of healthcare system in some form or another that kind of stopped when after during the Reagan era, um, as or sort of subsided, um, and uh, and was uh, part of the conversation when when um, Bill and Hillary Clinton proposed the changes in in the nineties, um, but. Uh, in in the end, um, we ended up with a really GOP um, centric uh, view. Uh, and proposal with the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare that took the um, uh, the individual market and um, the private market expertise um, and put that at the universal coverage um, level of of coverage. Now, now the Democratic Party is really kind of going back to its original roots of providing universal health care, and um, and Bernie Sanders is uh, gaining support by by just essentially bringing the, the conversation back to where it has been for a majority of the time in the debate, which is rather interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. So basically, and tell me if this is a correct assessment, the modern healthcare system as we know it and experience it and feel it has been shaped by both um, 
presidential leaders and congressional leaders on the left, um, as well as the right. And so it's really just been a confluence of those ideologies and, and inputs that shape the current landscape of healthcare. Is that right? Right. And um, really anything with the world as a whole, the World War II played a really important Important role in deciding how people uh, shape their healthcare system. We got a lot of our technological advances from um, the world wars, and healthcare started being something that was actually more expensive and and needing of expertise. Um, and the, how the, a lot of other European countries responded to it was they needed to rebuild after um, World War II, and and so did they, they were starting from scratch, having to rebuild all their hospitals and and set in a good. Um, a good new healthcare system, and that's how mo many of those countries got uh, single payer to begin with. Since we didn't um, really have a decimated um, healthcare system in the United States, um, we continued sort of the practices from World War II. One, probably the most pivotal policy from World War II, was that um, because wages were frozen during the World War, um, we uh, allowed employers to offer health benefits without tax. And that policy has stayed with the United States, which means that for most Americans, they get their health insurance through their employer and um, because it is tax-free benefit. Um, and that's really shaped our, our um, healthcare system today. Oh, more than anything. Oh, wow. Okay. So, th so then I guess if, if that's sort of the way things are right now, um, in your view, and maybe based off of the pieces of legislation um, that were introduced this week, um, a lot of people are saying that's not the way it ought to be. So can you tell us a little bit about what we heard from Bernie Sanders when he introduced his Medicare for all bill, um, sort of what that even is, what that looked like, and what is this term single payer that we constantly gawk over other countries having. Right. So um, the term Medicare for all is really a misnomer. The the plan in and of itself, um, it's it's um, it's a single payer plan. So what it would do would it, it would eliminate um, the Medicare and Medicaid programs as well as um, employer sponsored coverage. And instead, every American um, save for uh, people that receive their coverage through the VA system. Um, and the Indian Health Service would get uh, a essentially uh, universal health coverage healthcare card, very much like um, every person over the age of 65, um, for the most part, gets a uh, universal healthcare coverage with um, with Medicare. And universal healthcare essentially just means that all every person is getting getting coverage regardless of their ability to pay or um, their whether they or not they um really want to um <laughs> so so um everyone so would get does this that card mean that the so the government will will shoulder the total cost of all of these health expenses or is there still a role right. for the private markets right so the government would be um would be the ones that would run this this program um uh, but how it's different from um uh medicare is that right now medicare is um a uh, it has actually a lot, of, it's expensive for people. Um, you pay a deductible, you pay premiums and you pay a lot of cost sharing. Um, this would, would not have any of those, um, except for prescription drugs. Everything would, would be uh, free of charge when you went to the doctor's office or the hospital. Whereas in Medicare, it's actually quite expensive, um, for elderly and disabled people to go use healthcare services. 
Um, so this is way more generous than Medicare. And um, private health insurers are actually extremely involved in the Medicare program. Um, um, a huge portion of um, people receive their benefits actually through private insurers. And um, and so so it's it's different from uh, the Medicare program in those respects. Okay. And so, you know, it's interesting not to make this overly political, but since on this podcast we are talking about sort of what is core to the American identity here, um, obviously a lot of votes in this country and attitudes in this country are swayed and informed by what people think America should or should not pay for. And some <laughs> recent polls have actually showed that the idea of this single-payer concept that you just described, Emma, has actually grown more popular in recent years, probably informed by a lot of the debate around it. Um, but a lot on that issue of polling um, also shows, and, and this is something NPR reported on earlier this year, that attitudes of supporting a plan like this are quite movable and people are quite flippant about their views. Um, I think if you tell individuals about the potential for higher taxes, then support um, you know, higher taxes, of course, to pay for this program, um, then support for single payer slips substantially. But then if you tell them about the potential for lower administrative costs um, and basically, as you outlined, the ability to access this um, for anyone to access this at any point in their life, then support, um, you know, rigorously grows. Um, and so it looks like Republicans already on the heels of, of Bernie Sanders's bill they introduced already starting to call it socialized medicine, branding it as Bernie care and calling it a complete Washington takeover of America's healthcare system. So uh, most Americans aren't necessarily paying attention to those polls or the debate in Washington. They just want to make sure that when they need to see a doctor, they can see a doctor. So how is this debate um, that's currently occurring impact the sense of um, what is passable or how Americans even conceive of healthcare in this modern day? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, one, one view that makes Americans different in a lot of ways uh, than Europe especially is um, our sense of sort of libertarianism and, um, and freedom um, from the government making decisions for us, you know, the getting between you and your doctor, that um, sort of sense of uh, American ideal. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, the Canadian model or Canadians feel the, the exact same way. Um, that if you look at the polling of uh, what sort of values ca uh, Canadians feel, there's a, a, a large percentage of, of Canadians that uh, value independence and, um, and, and freedom. Um, it's similar to the United States. Um, but the way that they have really um, dealt with that is by the doctors are independent from the government and it's, um, it's more the payers, the government and, and the doctors and hospitals are, are independent in a lot of ways. And that's sort of the model that Bernie is also proposing with the, with the plan in terms of, um, how this is being characterized, especially, um, by, uh, by the right, I think, um, and this is to repeat many other, uh, people that have thought similarly, uh, the, the Affordable Care Act was uh, perceived as a government takeover of health care in a lot of ways and um, and has been attacked as socialized medicine and whatnot, when in rea reality it is really a private market approach to health care. So, um, you're you're saying that's even how Obamacare, our current system, is being characterized? Right, right. So um, the the plan by Bernie Sanders is much more on the on the 
um, uh, scale of uh, socialism on the on the socialist side. So um, uh, it, it's almost as if the exact same talking points are used for Obamacare as as are used for um, the the Sanders approach. Um, <laughs> They've got limited content over there on Capitol Hill, so they recycle their material. Yeah, so it's my, it's almost as if um, Democrats are supporting this or, or making a decision that um, we're going to get attacked regardless of what we do um, for it being socialized. Um, so, so uh, may as well stake the the um, stake in the ground uh, at a more a more left approach than than what has traditionally been the Democratic approch in the past That's or in recent so, years. So then, why why now? Um, and maybe that's exactly what you're alluding to. But if, if we've seen, um, particularly post World War II, several other countries um, who, you know, maybe many Americans wouldn't care because another country is doing something that we ought to do it. But we've seen other countries do this. Um, we've seen a lot of commentary about what Canada does or doesn't do, particularly um, in terms of Trump commenting on, on Trudeau and his leadership up north. Um, and, and frankly, during the presidential campaign, um, even though Bernie Sanders had referenced single player, it, there wasn't a straight up piece of legislation that was pointed to um, prior to this moment. So I guess my question for you, Emma, is why now? Right. I think the generally the party is moving is moving more left as well as um, a, a number of younger, younger voters. And this is um, in in some respects a way to um uh, capture that that feeling of um, of wanting more more um, uh, left policies from from their representatives and and to ensure that the um, the people of California feel more adequately represented. It's also really important to remember that uh, the the Democrats don't have very much control in Washington right now. And, um, and so it's, it's an opportunity for them to campaign now, um, and put that, that, um, that poetry of campaigning out there in the world and to get the hearts and mind our hearts, um, focusing on, on, um, their policies, uh, rather than, um, getting into the woodwork of how you do, um, uh, administration day to day. Yeah, no, and that's completely fair. I mean, if if the Democrats, you know, don't have the the power to necessarily move bills overnight, at least they have the the ability to capture the American ca imagination of of what an ideal healthcare system that's fit for America's vision and, and identity uh, could look like. But the Republican Party and Donald Trump. They do have the power um, and they have tried time and time again to repeal Obamacare. Um, the ACA repeals, even though they were celebrated with, I think, a party with beer in the Rose Garden <laughs> earlier this year by the president, didn't actually come to fruition. Obamacare is still the law of the land. Open enrollment for those looking to find insurance on the um, exchanges, I think, believe is what, October, November? November, um, yeah. Okay, November 8th. Oh, I, uh, I just said November. Yes, I believe it's yeah, November, uh, November 1st. Yeah. November 1st. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's clearly still the law of the land. Um, so 
how do Republicans see all of this? I mean, they've, they've tried to pull this back. It hasn't worked. Um, this week, they introduced other bills. So if, if Democrats or folks on the left are introducing certain proposals like a single-payer system, what are the Republicans trying to do as a countervailing approach? And, and why are they really – why do they keep spinning themselves up over Obamacare? What's, what's the deal there? Right. So uh, the parliamentarian of the Senate recently um, – uh, review of the rules of uh, how how uh, bills can pass through with only 50 votes in the Senate and they um, through the, the reconciliation process and um, the parliamentarian ruled that um, the in your in order to use this year's uh, this fiscal year's version of um, that that bill that can pass with only 50 votes uh, they had have to do it by the end of this fiscal year which is September 30th so that really put a fire in um, some um, some senators uh, uh, stride I don't know what you would put a fire in um, in, in, fire. in their belly to, to uh, um, continue uh, the push for um, repeal and the um, Casty Graham Heller um, Santorum bill <laughs> he came to the Capitol recently uh, is a attempt uh, to a final attempt to get that repeal um, through it was released or the outline of it was released um, on the with with the, um, the Sanders bill on the same day. And it essentially is um, this, the same uh, bill as uh, what was being discussed in July in the, in the Senate. It, um, it does allow for a little bit of flexibility between the states. Um, they've sort of given a lump sum for their Medicaid expansion and, um, and their exchange uh, population, um, but it's considerably less than, than um, they would have gotten before. Um, but it has a lot of the same other policies as um, was rejected by the Senate in, Jul in July. So um, they, if they need to do this, they've got... Um, as of today, uh, 13 days um, left to um, push this in, in the Senate, but I think they're only actually in session for a couple days. It seems like a pretty oh, Herculean right. feat. Um, another vacation, right? <laughs> right, right. I think they're only in session four days out of the rest of um, September, but um, they, if they see that they have the votes, they could um, uh, change that theoretically. But um, they're... The, they've lost um, Rand Paul's support on this, um, according to his Twitter account. Um, and um, I think John McCain also said that he would prefer a bipartisan solution. Um, there is a bipartisan solution to stabilize the individual market um, that's been actually having some hearings recently. And, um, and there's sort of hopeful agreement um, between senators about uh, the direction that that could uh, conceivably take. And it would, it would do a lot to... Um, provide insurance companies with, with, uh, necessary stabilization, um, in order to keep, um, premiums low for the small portion of people that, uh, receive their, their coverage through the individual market. So, so just to clarify on the, not, not this bipartisan piece you just outlined, but earlier a moment ago, um, the Republican piece, it sounds like the model there is kind of what we affectionately call in government a block grant, right? That states would petition for certain amounts of money and then allocate that um, for health care costs and needs uh, within their state. Is that correct? Right, right. And um, essentially a lot of the states that have uh, taken up the Affordable Care Act, California, New York, 
um, uh, West Virginia, uh, Louisiana, um, Nevada, the states that have um, seen good progress with um, coverage expansions, those um, states would be losing a significant amount of money. So states lose money in one proposal when um which would obviously affect you or i or our grandparents or our neighbors when it comes to accessing care in the bernie sanders single payer medicare for all proposal um maybe the costs to society go up a little bit because now you have the government um getting more involved ostensibly in administering a program uh, at the end of the day how these systems are run are incredibly important. So I don't want to make light of that. But at the end of the day, are both proposals um, that are being discussed now, as well as that sort of have set up this divide between folks in this country and Obamacare, are they all trying to achieve similar outcomes um, in, in appropriate health and well-being for American people? Or are they all vectoring towards a very, very different ideal? I guess put another way, Emma, what is it about this issue that creates such a contentious debate and what is the core value that both are really trying to get towards when we talk about an ideal American health system? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think that's a very not discussed portion of, uh, of the debate at all. There's, um, there really hasn't been a lot of conversation about what people really want out of the healthcare that they deserve, um, or that they, they, um, need. And, um, I think all people can say that they want the best healthcare in the world at the, for free, um, all the time, whenever they need it. Um, unfortunately there's no country on earth that can promise that. Um, and, 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 but yet every, every politician in America would like to promise that. So, um, so it's, I think if we really wanted to make investments in um, lengthening the life of individuals, we'd, we'd definitely um, focus more on um, the public health aspects of reducing, um, uh, improving nutrition, improving um, uh, deaths due to um, uh, smoking rates and that sort of thing that really make a difference in improving people's um, long-term health. Um, but a lot of these bills and a lot of the conversation really is about going with those instances where you need to go to the hospital, which are pretty rare, um, and, and improving the, the cost of that for, for, um, consumers. So it's, it's a little disjointed from the, like the broader ideal of, of being healthy. And, and ultimately, if you are going to um, talk about wellness, right, in terms of having access to preventative care, making sure that folks are, um, you know, well-nourished and have access to foods and that we promote, as you said, good public health policies that deter um, behavior that would, you know, self-inflict ailments down the road. Um, would you say, is that simply a matter of health or could that also be um seen as a moral matter or frankly an economic matter by way of how some of these costs are absorbed to society if not enough kids know that eating a certain type of food is bad or not enough folks in a neighborhood know that smoking can cause certain deleterious effects yeah no it definitely um it goes beyond health um for sure and and into the economic and moral realm realm pretty quickly um of course all all health is um, 
interrelated with every single part of society in that, in that way. So it gets, it gets complicated very quickly. Very complex issue, but glad to have uh, folks with, with your deep, deep, not only expertise in the space, but frankly, passion for better health outcomes, um, taking a look at it and informing parts of the discussion. Emma, thank you so much for, for being here on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And for, for anyone that, you know, has their own healthcare stories or their own attitudes on um, the current healthcare debates, or frankly, just the system as you've experienced it, um, we always host on this podcast town hall forum in which individuals can directly um, offer their thoughts, comments, or questions. So um, always feel free to leave feedback by dialing and leaving a note at 844-484-5786. Thanks again for joining. Uh, this has been another episode of American Enough. This has been American Enough with Vikram Iyer. American Enough is a production of Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017. Theme music by Chris Thomas, edited by Mark Rako. Contact Vikram with your comments and questions at 844-4-VIKRAM and connect with the show on social media at American Enough. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. To learn more about Mouth Media Network and how you can partner with this podcast, visit MouthMediaNetwork.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts, callers, and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Mouth Media Network. No portion of the show may be reproduced, published, or rebroadcast without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. <laughs>